Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Are you ready for the preaching of God's Word today? We've got, a couple, we've got Manny up front ready. Is everybody else ready for the preaching of God's Word? I love it. We've been preaching in the last three weeks from this mini-series called Air on the Side of. Air on the Side of really uh, is this idea that we're going to run away from lukewarm living and we're going to live intentionally with an urgency for what God has called us to live towards. And if we're all going to fall short of the glory of God, why not do it erring as far to the, and closer to the heart of God as we can? And somebody asked me this week, they said, why? Why err on the side of? Like, why is that such an important thing at the beginning of, you know, of what you're talking about here at this church? Why, why do you want to talk about err on the side of? Well, I, you know, my response in that moment, you know, people kind of ask you questions and you, you don't really know what's going to come out in the moment. But luckily, I really feel like the reason that we are doing this series right here is if we really want the Lord's prayer to come true in our lives, then we got to live the lifestyle of that. And the Lord's prayer is, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We got to be living as if heaven is now. Are you with me? We got to be living as if heaven is now. We got to prepare the way in every single way in our lives. We got to be living like we're in heaven. And there is a different lifestyle when you're in heaven than here on earth. And it's time for a group of believers to stand up and stand for the ways of heaven, to live out the heart of heaven and do that here on earth today. Because that's our heart, as it is in heaven, as it is in heaven. So today, I want to talk about servanthood. The title of my message is Air on the Side of Servanthood. And you can turn in your Bibles to Luke 10, 27 through 37. Got a couple verses today. I hope I don't lose you. We're going to talk about servanthood and what it means and how we do it. How does that outwork in our lives today? So Luke 10, 27 through 37. It says this. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, everybody say Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Brianna would put essential oils all over that. <laughs> Judges, if you want. When he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and they took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. He says this, look after him. 
And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which three of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, right now we are available, we are open to whatever you want to say. I pray, Lord, that your word will sink deep into our hearts. We will be reminded throughout the week of how we are meant to be servants first. Help us today to be open to hear, anoint my voice to speak the words in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, go and do likewise. Look to the other one and say, go and do likewise. We don't want to forget anybody here. You know, growing up, I was homeschooled until eighth grade. So I didn't have like that elementary life where you go through and maybe you get bullied or you get punched in the face. I've never actually been punched in the face. If, you, if you've ever been punched in the face, would you raise your hand? A couple people in here. You guys, man, the stories that are in this room today. I've never actually been punched in the face. I can't say that I've ever actually seriously been in a fight or ever been punched like that. Just with my brothers, it gets pretty crazy. But I would say I've never actually been beaten up, robbed, anything like that, right? And I'm actually really grateful for that. Can I say that? I'm really grateful I've never experienced that. And I pray to God I never have to experience that. But pretty much every time that I have gotten hurt was my own doing, right? Anybody else in here hurt yourself a lot? I'm that person where I've actually broken 14 bones in my body, right? I've broken both of my wrists. If you feel my bones, you'll feel the bumps. I've broken this one twice, actually. Terrible wrist. Uh, and I actually, even a couple years ago, broke my leg. I have a plate and six screws in my leg, right? I've broken fingers. I've done all that I can do to my body. Luckily, now I've calmed down a little bit, and I haven't broken bones for a while, right? Praise God. <laughs> she goes, it's been three years. It's a pretty terrible experience, but can I tell you that every time that I've broken something, every time that I've gotten a concussion, gotten hurt, whether I was snowboarding, riding my bike, doing whatever the things that I would do to get, you know, broken limbs, every time there was somebody there, every time I had a friend there, every time I had maybe a ski instructor who was able to grab me and help me get down the mountain, or every time I had family members there, even one time I remember falling off the front of my bike so hard, that's when I snapped my wrist the first time. And, uh, and my little brother was right there and was able to go get help. Every time I've had somebody there. So when I read this story, I, I think back to all those times and I'm like, wow, I've been so blessed. Every time that I've been in dire need, there's been somebody there who's been my neighbor. But you see in this picture, it's such an interesting idea that here comes this man, gets beaten, bruised, and robbed, and then he's left there alone with no one else to help him. No one's there. And so we see this scripture where all of a sudden, after this, this journey, and it's about 10 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho, there's this journey that's taking place, and there he is laying on the side of the road, beaten, bruised, robbed, is left half dead. And here comes this guy, the priest, right? The priest, which is the most obvious person that should have stopped, right? This is the religious leader in the house of God. This is the guy who should have stopped, helped this man up. And Jesus is proving a point and using an example of what mercy really looks like and what it looks like to love everyone, not just the people that we think we, that should love, right? But there comes the priest, and he actually walks on the other side of the road, which is showing that he has no compassion towards that man. 
doesn't know how to love him. Then, here comes the Levite, which these were actually the servants of God's house, right? These were the people who would serve the house. And, you know, it would be like all of our volunteers in here, so thankful for our volunteers who do um, week in, week out make church happen. It would be like one of them walking by someone who's in dire need and half dying and walking to the other side of the road and showing no compassion on the man. I couldn't imagine any of our people doing that. Maybe Bobby Walker, but everybody else would not. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But there he is, the servant, a volunteer in the house, walking on the other side, having no compassion. And then here comes the Samaritan man. Now here, the Samaritans and the Israelites had conflict. They didn't get along. There was this mutual despising of each other that was taking place between these two cultures. And so when Jesus used this as an example, it didn't make a lot of sense to people, but he was trying to prove a point. And here comes this man, the Samaritan man, and he comes along and he stops, comes down to the man's level, bandages his wounds, puts essential oils on him, gives him some wine, does all the things to take care of him, puts the man up on his donkey and takes him to the inn. Isn't that a beautiful example of what we should do in our lives? What it looks like when we should actually come close to people, get on their level and love them and serve them. See, this is a perfect example of what servanthood looks like. Regardless of your stature, regardless of your cultural divide, your position or your inconvenience, somebody needs to hear that today, that we would serve first. See, we're often just like the priest or the Levite. We move to the other side of the road just to avoid having to take time with someone. See, I really believe that right here at Grace City Tampa, God is calling a group of people to stand up, to serve first, to love people and meet them right where they are, no matter of the inconvenience, no matter of what it takes out of you, no matter what you have to offer. Maybe you have to get out of your car and let someone ride with you, right? I mean, we can let the list of things go on of what it looks like to be a servant to people, to love our neighbor as ourself. God is calling us to do this together. And if we go back to verse 35 through 37, it says, the next day, everybody say, the next day. day. He took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor fell into the hand of the robbers? And they said, the one who had mercy on him. So we see right here that the Samaritan man could have just left him there for dead. He could have just even come and just put him on his donkey, brought him to the inn, and left him there, right? But no, I love how this story continues because we're talking about erring on the side of, right? We're talking about going above and beyond, living above reproach. We're talking about operating so far away from lukewarm that people truly feel the love of Jesus, right? So when we see this story and how it continues, here comes the man and he's the next day above and beyond. The next day gives money and says, take care of him. And then he says this statement. If you need any more for taking care of him, I will pay whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. God is calling us to that kind of above and beyond approach. Amen? Amen? Amen. See, this example shows the perfect. It shows us the perfect that we need to come ready to lay it all down for others. This is the heart of the Father, and this is the life of Jesus. So what if we served every person 
and every opportunity with this intentionality, with this persistence, that it doesn't just stop at us, but it's an overflow of God. I really believe that if this were the case, the big C church would actually eradicate homelessness, would actually eradicate orphanages. If we really lived like this and loved at this level that whatever it takes, tomorrow I'll be here and I will pay more. Whatever it takes, I'll be back in a week and I'll cover whatever the cost is. Imagine if a group of people actually served people at that level above and beyond. If we err on the side of servanthood, what we could do. But see, I think naturally our humanity lends to us living on the side of how can we serve ourselves. Would you agree? Naturally, that's kind of where we sit. We're always looking for maybe the best case scenario. In our lives, I would say, you know, with Brianna and I, when we go to a ride at Disney, we're looking for the shortest line, best case scenario. When we're driving in traffic, we're always looking for, you know, the fastest lane. How can I get in that? Anybody with me? Are we having any slow pokes in the room that are like, I, I like the, to stay in the slow lane? No. We, if we go to the grocery store, we're looking for the best deals, wouldn't you say? Looking for the best deals. And then when we come to the checkout, we look for the shortest line, wouldn't you say? The fastest checker in the shortest line. When it comes to going to fast food, most of us would pick Chick-fil-A over any other place because of the far superior service. Wouldn't you agree? Nobody in here is Chick-fil-A fans. That's great. But when it comes to chicken sandwiches, we should all go to Popeye's because they have a far superior chicken sandwich. Anybody? Got a couple, couple boos, a couple, I see an amen right there. We look for the most efficient and best way to make money at work. At home, we look for the best things to make us comfortable, the best couch. If we don't like how a couch feels, we're not going to just keep it around, right? We're usually going to get rid of it and get a better couch if you can. We look for the best mattress. Isn't mattress shopping the worst thing of all time? You're all going and laying on a bed that all these other people have laid on. And you're like, I think I'll like this in 12 hours. You know, like it's a terrible experience, mattress shopping. We always look for the best case scenario in everything that we do. Because it makes life better. It's, it's a natural response for all of us. That's the way our brains are wired. That's the way we think. How can this be the best for me today? How can I, you know, like live life to the fullest today? But see, Jesus is asking us as believers to live in reverse. To live in reverse of that. To think in reverse of our humanity. See, if we look at Matthew 20, 26 through 28, it says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That is so backwards from our world. Wouldn't you say? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Now, Jesus, you're going crazy, right? That is so far away from how we live our life today. If you want to be first, you have to be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is helping his followers to understand. He's helping us, even 2,000 years later, to understand that being on the top actually means approaching it from the bottom. Are you with me? That getting everything that you desire in life doesn't start from how can I please myself. It starts with how can I love people around me. You know, it was probably eight years ago now, my little brother, 
I had just been married, Brianna and I just got married a couple months before, and my little brother, who's actually five years younger than me, um, asked me to go on an overnight hike with him. And we grew up in a place where you have these mountains called the Enchantments, and they're basically like, you know, the, the Swiss Alps of America. So they're beautiful. They're only 30 minutes from our house. And I'm like, what? that's not a big deal. I'll get a little backpack, a sleeping bag. I'll sleep on the grass. It's going to be fine, right? Well, what happens is, is we set off on this hike, and I can still remember the trail today. I can look back to the trail, and, and I had no idea really how long this hike was going to be or how hard it would be. I just kind of went for it. I was like, it'll be great. We can just make it happen. And I was, I'm not like an athlete by any means. I don't, I don't like sit on the stair stepper every day and do like eight miles of stair stepper, you know. But here we go up the side of this mountain. And we went for probably six hours before we stopped. My legs were jelly, right? They're just shaking. And, they're, you know, I'm like, I could barely stand. We were running out of water. And we finally approached this place. It was called the Spider Meadows. And we came out into this place. And it was beautiful. There was fresh glacier water coming that you can literally drink off the side of the mountain. And there we are up there. And my little brother goes, okay, now we need to go up the cliffs. And that's where we're going to sleep. And I'm like, no, I'm done, man. We're not going any further than right here. This is the spot. That little piece of grass looks great. I don't care if there's wolves. I'm sleeping here. <laughs> but we set off, right? And we start to hike up this mountain again. And it, this part was straight up. I mean, it was about four hours of just straight up. When it was all said and done, it was about eight miles in a day that we hiked that day. I was toast. I mean, absolute toast. But when I got to the top of that cliff, I looked down, and I saw the valley below. So beautiful. The sun was setting over the mountains. And right behind me was a massive glacier. 20 feet away from me, you could see the snow and the water melting right off of it, right? Beautiful, beautiful place. The next morning we got up, we hiked to the top of the glacier, and there we stood and got to see the journey, got to see everything that we had come through, how hard the work was that we did, but it was so worth it in that moment. See, it's interesting because you can't actually get on top of a mountain without starting on the bottom. There's no way for us to actually get on top of a mountain. Yeah, you could use some sort of machinery. Someone else could carry you, I guess. But you still have to start at the bottom. And that's how we need to look at servanthood when we approach serving people. It's not coming from the top and saying, how can I lord over you? How can I make my dreams come true by, and make myself look good by serving you? No, it's coming from the bottom and working your way up. And you got to put in the work, and it's going to be hard, but can I tell you at the end, you're going to stand on that mountain. You're going to look back at what's been done in someone's life, and you go, what a beautiful journey. What a beautiful story. And I remember that part was hard, but it was so worth it standing from here looking and going, man, look what God has done. We have to serve first, and we got to come from the bottom. we got to have a reverse idea of how to operate this way. Are you with me, church? So, if I had three points of how to embody servanthood, it would be this. It starts with the heart, it outworks through your hands, and it finishes with releasing the glory. Starts with the heart, outworks through your hands, and finishes with releasing the glory. Are you ready for a three-point message today? Somebody's ready. John 13, three through nine, starts with the heart. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, meaning if Jesus wanted to put this into our idea of what we just talked about, he's standing on the top of the mountain. Everything is under his feet. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, yes, it's going to get weird. I'm just kidding, that's not a thing. You guys are so silent, I'm like, what? You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you'll have no part of me. Then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. See, Jesus, the son of heaven, the king himself, lowered himself to clean the filth off the feet of the disciples. And no way would a king ever, who was on top, serve his people this way. Yet Jesus is no ordinary worldly king. He's above every other king. And he knows that leading people, true leadership, starts at the bottom. And it starts with servanthood. See, the posture of your heart has everything to do with how well you will give and how well you'll receive servanthood. If your intentions are in the wrong place from the start, you'll never follow through to the completion of erring on the side of servanthood. If your heart isn't in the right place from the beginning, and that's the beautiful part of this story, Jesus' heart, and how his posture is towards these disciples. I'm here to serve. I'm here to give. How can I show you? And so I'm going to wash the filth off your feet. I'm going to show you that it, it, as low as it goes, as dirty as it goes, I will take that on me and I will wash you to show you that I care about you and that I love you. And in this context, meant so much more than if he would have just put a dish of food in front of them. This meant so much more because he took the lowest spot in the house and that was to serve his disciples. I'm a little embarrassed to share this story, but when I first went to college 12 years ago, um, I was the guy who was like the main worship leader in youth ministry growing up. So when I moved to college, I'm thinking, I'm going to be the main worship leader, right? I was uh, in my head a big fish in a big pond. And very quickly, I found out that I'm a very, very small fish, not even a goldfish in a massive pond. Uh, I went to Hillsong International Leadership College in Australia. And when I showed up, I was humbled very fast. Why I'm embarrassed to tell you this is I did everything I could to try to be noticed for the first couple months, right? I, can I be real with you guys? And I would sit in the lobby and I would like, play my piano, and sing as loud as I could. I was one of those guys, you know? <laughs> Somebody hear me, you know? <laughs> Somebody. And I just thought, man, if I could just get heard once, I could just get heard once, people are going to want to put me on the stage. I'm going to lead worship. Can I tell you for the first year, I didn't lead worship one time. I didn't even step on a stage other than to clean it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was my first year. And I remember a couple months in, I'm sitting in the lobby singing as loud as I can. And this guy comes over to me and puts his hand on my back and he says, hey, great job, but you need to stop. And I was like, what? He's like, you should try serving on this team and this team. And he gave me a couple options. And it was one of the greatest things. I mean, he had a really great conversation. I won't, I'll spare you the time of telling you that. But he encouraged me just to go serve first. So that's what I did. I joined. I was at one of the biggest churches in the world. We had 35,000 people on a weekend at this location. And I left and went to an extension site of 200 people. And I spent my first year at this extension site serving in kids' ministry. Still not grabbing a guitar or a mic to sing, but just how can I be here to serve? I spent my first, spent my first year learning how to do lighting, 
learning how to sit behind this little board and run things, learning how to set up stages, learning how to come to youth and just create a great atmosphere. And I actually even served in the library at one time. There were all these random things that I did. At the end of that year, I was so grateful for every single thing that I learned that year. And still to this day, I can look back at every single one of those things and go, I'm so grateful that I had to start at the bottom. I'm so grateful that I had to get my heart straight back then and I had to learn how to be humble because now I can see in my life the fruit of the things that I did. I can see how God has postured me in a way that I could have never asked for 12 years ago. But can I tell you, it starts with simply approaching with your heart in the right place and saying, how can I serve? How can I be of service? See, when the heart is postured correctly, you're operating in the will of Jesus. You approach every opportunity to serve rather than to receive. Amen? And I love it because this is exactly what the Samaritan man did. He ran to the man on the side of the road, got down at him, humbled himself, had a heart of the Father, and loved this man to health. It's a beautiful picture. Number two, servanthood outworks through your hands. Servanthood outworks through your hands. Acts 20, 35 says this. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Such an upside down reverse way of saying it, right? Of thinking in our life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. See, our servanthood becomes a reality the moment we put it into action. You can, you know, the age-old phrase, right, your, your actions speak louder than words, but I really want to say it like this and just maybe shock a couple people in here. If your words and your heart don't result in actions, then they are worthless. If your, let me say it again, your words and your heart are worthless if not accompanied or followed up with actions. We need to make, take action to our heart. We need to take action to our words. And yes, if that means encouragement, that can be some action, right? That is a way of actually putting action to your heart of saying, I want to be a servant. But we actually need to put action into it because then it really becomes servanthood. So, you know, I, for Brianna and I, we uh, have different roles in our house. What we take, what you take care of. Brianna does the laundry. I'm very blessed with that. Thank God. Uh, thank God. Right, Bobby? <laughs> One thing she's asked me to do is to take out the trash. And I'm really bad at taking out the trash. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm one of those people that, but the thing is, if, if I tell her every day I'm going to take out the trash, but I don't actually do it, then it's worthless. My words are worthless. I actually have to follow it out. And I've gotten a lot better. Thankfully, I have alarms that go off on my phone the night before, like, you know, 20 different alarms, like, take out the trash. And then I, last minute, I'm like, you know, running around in my PJs, like, you know, taking out the trash, doing my thing. Luckily, none of you are my neighbors. But your words are words, and your heart can be worthless, and they can actually hurt people if you don't follow through with the actions. So how and where and who do we serve? Starts with your family, then your friends, your church, and your city. It needs to be an overflow effect. We need to start with serving our family, approaching our family with the humility and the heart posture of saying, how can I serve and what can I do to make sure you feel loved, you feel cared for, and you start there? And outside of that, then you need to move to your friend group, your next concentric circle, your next sphere of influence. You need to come ready to serve your friends, ready to love your friends. The next one is your church. 
You need to get on a team. You need to show up at 6 a.m. with all of us. You know what I'm saying? Or hang out afterwards, sit in the kids' ministry, come and serve and help make the mission and vision of this church become a reality. And the last one is we need to serve our city. When we all operate from that place, our heart stays in the right place. We love in the concentric circles of how we should really love and how the Bible tells us to love. And we're able to have better influence. We're able to have better love towards our city and really meet the needs of our city when we love in that way. Is that all right? And we see that where even the Samaritan man came and gave with no strings attached. He gave. He put actions to his word. Could you imagine the Samaritan coming and kneeling beside him and going, so sorry. Have a good day. Gets up and walks away. No. He he didn't do that. He had compassion on the man. He stopped and he met the needs of this man. So the last one is this. It finishes with releasing the glory. I think this one can be some of the hardest ones to say. This could be one of the hardest ones to say because of our humanity. See, this isn't about feeling good. It's not about the work that we did because it isn't for our name to be great. If If your heart was in the right place, at the start, then at the end, it'll be easy to give God the credit for it. Too often, it's just so easy to carry the credit for it. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah, I did serve you in that way. Yeah, you could imagine the Samaritan man being like, guess what I did today, babe? You know what I mean? Like, this is, I did the best thing I've ever done. Gave this man two denarii. You know, that's not what it's about. If it starts in the right place and your heart's in the right place, then we should finish in the right place in giving God the glory. Psalms 96, 8 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. It's all due his name. Every bit of the glory, every bit of the honor, and we have to simply choose when that comes to send it to the Lord, right? We've got to be those football players that get a touchdown and they just point to Jesus. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's beautiful ascribing of the glory of the Lord. Psalm 75, 6 through 7 says, No one from the east or the west, from the desert, can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down and exalts another. Meaning this, God promotes. God promotes. This isn't about climbing a ladder. It's not about being and becoming more like, it's about being and becoming more like Jesus so that his name could be made famous. Are you with me, church? It's about his name being named fame, made famous. And you know what happens every single time, though? If you were to talk to every person in this room and hear the story of their life, when they truly love, when they're truly faithful, and they truly serve with the right heart, God promotes. God promotes. He opens up doors, opens up opportunities, and makes a way like no one else could ever make a way. But if your heart is in the right place or isn't in the right place, and you don't actually accompany your heart with your actions, and then you take the glory, that's what it looks like to err on the wrong side of servanthood. We need to simply put our heart in the right place. God, it's all for you. I'm going to do this for you. Reverse thinking. We're going to give and we're going to love in a place of erring on the side so far away from lukewarm Christianity that we're going to love with that urgency and intentionality. And we're going to give God the glory and watch as God promotes in your life. I'm going to invite the band up as we conclude. Galatians 5, 13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And Galatians 5, 1 says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. See, your freedom is for others. That's what it looks like. 
Our freedom, when God set us free, when he made a way for us, it's simply so that we can love others. It is for freedom that we are free. That means that we need to outwork our love, outwork our intentionality to make sure people know the heart of God. So it was a year into college. There I was serving on all these random little teams, cleaning different rooms. And I was asked one day, um, we were doing a little team night. The creative team at this little location was about 12 people, right? Already our team here is so much bigger and I'm so grateful for Bobby and Kenzie and the way they lead and how they collect people, amazing. Yeah, but I remember coming to this little 200 person uh, you know, campus team night and, uh, and they asked me last minute, they said, hey, our worship guy just dropped out. Is there any way you could do this? They had never heard me sing. They had no idea what I was, if, if I was even capable of it. And all of a sudden, just the year of hard work, of coming, serving, and getting my heart straight, all of a sudden, I felt like this was the biggest opportunity I've ever gotten in my life. When your heart's in the right place, it doesn't matter what the, the grandeur of the opportunity, it's God opening doors is a blessing, right? And I remember showing up to that team night, sitting at this piano. I ended up playing piano that night and got a couple songs ready, and I was all excited. This is, this is a moment where I get to actually use what I feel like in, you know, the giftings God has given me to glorify him. And I start watching as these 12 people walk into the room, and I start my set. I start leading worship. And I'm like an emotional wreck, right? Because I'm sitting up there watching as God promoted and yet it was in such a humble moment. And so I'm like emotional. Everybody's emotional. It was like a really beautiful moment. And in walks this guy. His name is Aaron Puddle. And he actually oversees all the creative for Hillsong College. And he's like been a part of Hillsong music since the very beginning. And he walks in and he sees me on this piano. And he walks up on stage in the middle of my set. And he begins to prophesy over my life. Things that still to this day... I've just been blown away by and watched as God has made every single one of those things happen. Every single one. He spoke to me and just said, basically, remember this moment, Alex, when you're sitting in this room. Remember the power of this moment. Remember that there's 12 people in here. Remember the faces. Remember the light bulbs. Remember the room. He said, someday you're going to stand on a stage and all you need to do to remain humble is just go right back to that room. After that, not really knowing a lot of what it meant and what he had prophesied, I just gave it to God. That was awesome. Went back to serving in my teams. Well, about two weeks later, I get a call, seven in the morning, and he goes, hey, um, can you come in and lead worship today? I was like, uh, yeah, where at? Like, I'm thinking little extension site. He goes, no, we want you to come to the, to the main campus. And there I am serving on the cleaning team, serving in the library, doing the lighting team, all these little things. And in a moment, I got brought into a place where I was leading worship that I couldn't have ever imagined or dreamed that I would be leading worship at. And I was with one of my heroes in the faith that I, my mom listened to Hillsong music from a kid and uh, Darlene Check was her hero. Um, she wrote the song, Shout to the Lord. And there I was, my second time on a platform, standing next to Darlene Check leading a song. Can I tell you, it started at the heart. And God, 
needed to see that my heart was in the right place before there was opportunity brought. Can I tell you God promotes in your life? You just need to release it. You need to be willing to put in the hard work. You need to be willing to put in the grind because God has a plan that's so beautiful for each and your, every one of your lives. He has provision. He has promises in store for your life. And he's just simply asking, will you come? Will you get your heart in the right place? Will you put your hands to the plow? Will you serve? Will you love? And then will you give me the glory? And can I tell you that God will promote? God will make a way. When we serve first, put God first, he's going to get the glory. And he's going to make a way. So I'm going to ask all of you to stand in this place. I don't know about you, but I'm going to do my best to keep my heart in the right place. I'm going to use my hands, and I'm going to give God the glory. And just watch what he's going to do in and through your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.